our guests a hand. We're so glad you joined us for Easter. And there's an Easter ahead, God. After service, you must personally pick up your kids and take them across the street for the egg hunt. And it's gonna be a great time. All right, Luke chapter 23. It says, there were also two other criminals, two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. How many is thankful for the promise of heaven today? Amen. You may be seated. Here we, we read that Jesus, the purest individual to ever walk the planet, the holiest person to ever grace the earth, was not only punished, but he was punished in the most severe way perhaps possible in human history through crucifixion. And not only was he crucified, but he was crucified around criminals. Not only was he crucified around criminals, but the scripture tells us in Matthew that these criminals were robbers. And perhaps the cruelest injustice, without a doubt the cruelest injustice in the history of the world was the world's purest man was crucified with people who stole, people who took. A man who constantly gave to people, who gave life, healed people, changed people's lives for the better, crucified next to people who stole and took what wasn't theirs. And this is the most inappropriate scene possible in the history of the world as Jesus' life was all about others, about giving life to others. But we see here that he is not afraid to get close to sinners. And we see this in his ministry. He's not afraid to eat with sinners. He's not afraid to touch lepers. He were alive today. He's not afraid to touch aid victims. He's not afraid to touch people with diseases. He's not afraid to spend time with drug addicts. He's not afraid to spend time with the people that everyone else writes off 
the people that everyone else says stay away from. How many's glad that we serve a Jesus who is a friend of sinners? So he's crucified between two thieves. And this is a picture of a God who's not afraid to come close. He's not afraid to identify with us. And there's a quote that I love, and I posted it on my Facebook page yesterday, but it says this, I simply argue the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace as well in the steeple of the church. I am recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral, but between two thieves on the town garbage heap at a crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew and Latin and Greek. It was the kind of place where cynics talk smut, where thieves curse and soldiers gamble because that is where he died and that is what he died about. And that is what church people should be about. Amen. Amen. We serve a God. He didn't die in a beautiful cathedral surrounded by angels. He didn't die in a church surrounded by saints. But he went to the gates of hell and he was crucified between two thieves. Why? Because we serve a God that loves people. He loves sinners. But here's the challenge I have for us today. And it's a challenge I have when I read this text. I know when I read the story, I often read and I see these two criminals as those people. While Jesus was crucified around those really terrible people, those people who wear orange jumpsuits. He was crucified by the worst of the worst. But the truth is when we read the story, you and I, are those criminals on his right and his left. Romans 3.23 says, for all, not just people that went to prison, not just people who had addictions, not just people who were thieves and robbers, but good church people that are wearing suits and ties today, all have sinned and can short of the glory of God, and it doesn't matter if you stole a pack of bubble gum when you were five, or whether you robbed a bank, it's all sin. And that's me, and that's you on his right and on his left. And it's easy for us to get a those people attitude, those dirty people, those prisoner people, those addicted people. And here's how you know that you're one of those people. Have you ever been on, on an airplane and you say this silent prayer to yourself, Lord, don't let those people sit next to me today. You know, those stinky people, those pushy people, those people that recline all the way back people, those people with two loud kids people, amen, hallelujah. I used to despise those people, then I realized I was one of those people. And that's the truth I'm trying to show to us today. You can have those people mindsets all you want to, but what you realize, need to realize today is you are one of those people. You are the kind of people that Jesus died for because it's all sin. It all comes short. 
But thank God we have a Jesus that was crucified between those people. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. It doesn't matter what kind of sin. We were had a, a contest today of who's the worst sinner. It would be like going to a bad restaurant and, and seeing what was worst on the menu. It's all bad. It doesn't matter. It's all repugnant. And so the wages of sin is death. And I want us to see that these two criminals represent all of us today. And they're a witness to the love of God. We are on his left, we are on his right. But I want you to see that there were two different responses to the love of God. And what I'm so glad about today is that we serve a God who loves people equally. He loves people who will accept him. He loves people who will deny him, but he still loves them. And we see that the first response in verse 39 says, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. This man has the wrong response. Other translations say that, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself, save us. This man has a faulty idea of what salvation is. He's mocking the God of the universe, saying, if you really are God, save us. And we serve a God today which was 100% God. He was 100% man. And how many know that the man that was on that cross was the God of all creation. Yes. That was God on that cross. Hallelujah. And he could have whispered a prayer and 10,000 angels could have rescued him from that cross. But here's the downside, you and I wouldn't be here today. And he saw the big picture of what was important. And this man challenges God he challenges him, save me, get me out of this situation. And, and, and this, this criminal's attitude is an attitude of entitlement. Right. His attitude says, God, you deserve to get me out of this mess. I, I, I deserve to get out of this mess. I deserve for you to help me. And, and here's what we have to realize is that God does not owe us anything. Right. If you're, if you're here today and you've had a, a hard life, I'm really sorry about that. There's some things that we just can't explain. But, but even then, God does not owe us anything. And some people say, well, I just wish God was fair. You know what fair would be? The first time you sinned, a lightning bolt would come out of heaven and take you out. That, would, that is fair. How many of us, we serve a God of mercy and grace. And God does not owe me. God did not owe me the cross. Jesus does not, did not owe me to, to heal my son supernaturally. He didn't owe, owe me to, to live in this great country today where we can worship freely, but he did it anyway. And how many today are thankful for the gifts of God and that God has been gracious to us and God has been kind to us. 
How many thankful today for the kindness of God? So this man says, God owes me. I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to admit my guilt. I shouldn't have to repent. What this man failed to realize is that he's a criminal on a cross and God doesn't owe him jack squat. And he's got this attitude that's so prevalent right now in our culture is everybody owes me. He doesn't have a heart for God. He doesn't really care who Jesus is. He just wants to get out of the mess that he's in. And I see this so often when I talk to people, they have a wrong view of salvation. And I just wanna tell you here today, if you give your life to Jesus, I can't promise you that your income will go up. I can't promise you that your marriage will instantly get better. I can't promise you that your kids will become perfect kids or you'll get that new car. And that's what the view of salvation that this man had is God just get me out of my mess. He thinks that it means that he will simply get out of his mess if Jesus saves his life and saves his own life. But I wanna tell you today, what's most important isn't that God gets us out of the mess we're in right now. What is most important is that you are saved. That you have your eternity in heaven. That is the most important thing today. That's more important than your kids going to college. That's more important than your healing. That's more important than that job opportunity is that you go into eternity saved. Is anybody glad you're saved today? Is anybody glad that you repented of your sins and that you went water and the waters of baptism and they're buried forever? What we saw in this baptistry tank today is that's what's important. So his attitude is, God, just get me out of this mess. I don't care who you are. This man's not really particularly concerned about changing his life. Just get me out of this mess. And being saved isn't about God getting you out of your mess. It's about him changing your heart so you can be ready for eternity. Everybody say eternity. Eternity is a long time. I want to tell you something today. I'm, I'm not one to endorse gambling, but it's one thing to gamble on a football game or a baseball game, but don't gamble with your soul. Don't play with your soul. We're playing for keeps today. You see, there's been people praying and fasting over the service. Why? Because eternity is a long time. And, and it's okay if the soundboard goes out and we miss a few right. minutes of a song. All those things are temporary, but what isn't temporary is your eternal right. destiny today. Right. And I would not leave this place without giving my life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's better today. It'd be better to, for this man to die on a cross with a clean heart than for God to rescue him off of that cross with a corrupted soul. What doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? I wanna challenge you today. Think about eternity. Are you ready for eternity? 
This man was so close to eternal life. This man was within earshot of the man who could give him, the God who could give him eternal life, and he missed it because he was focused on temporary situations. He was focused on things that eternally didn't matter. And so many of us today, we're going to walk in and we're going to walk out of here and we're going to lose what should really be important. And that is not the Easter dinner that's following, not whether the chicken's going to be hot by the time we get home. All of those things are not important in view of eternity, in view of where you will spend your eternal destiny. And I want to tell you today, heaven and hell are still real places. And you will go one or the other. And I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And I'm going to see, I'm going to speak Jesus over my kids. Jesus over my family. Jesus over my soul. So the first criminal missed it. But I want to see the response of the other criminal says in verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, this, this criminal has a completely different response. He rebukes the other criminal. He says, don't you fear God? And I want to tell you, if you're going to be saved, you've got to fear God. The fear of the Lord all throughout the scriptures says is what? The beginning of wisdom. The first step to being saved is fearing God. What does that mean? I fear his word. I fear what he can do above all else. I fear him more than people. I tremble at his word. I build my life around what he has said, right. not what culture says, not what other people around me say, but I fear God first. And then we see that this man has a humble attitude. He says, he says our punishment is just. We deserve to be here. We deserve to be on this cross, but this man is innocent. He has a humble attitude. He doesn't challenge God and say, save me or else. He says, Lord, I deserve to be here. And if you're gonna be saved, you have to have a humble attitude that says, God, I deserve everything as a recompense of my sin. I deserve the punishment for my sin. And this is what we call repentance, is where we say, God, I've missed it. I haven't lived life the way I'm supposed to live. You see, repentance means to change your mind, to change your heart. We, we see that this criminal on a cross has a repentance experience, and he has an epiphany. And he says, I deserve to be where I'm at. But I know that this man has done nothing wrong. And he changes his mind, and we see that he changes his mind towards God. He has an experience with Jesus. And I want to tell you, it's not too late to change your mind. 
It's not too late to change your way of living. This might be the first time you've been to church in decades, but I'm here to tell you, it's not too late. As long as you have breath in your body, you might be hanging on a cross, but there's hope if you change your mind. I've seen people coming into this house that have been running for God for years, and one Sunday they changed their mind. You might have been in the bar drunk last night, but you can still change your mind. You can still change your attitude. And this man, unlike the other criminal, doesn't see Jesus' lack of action on the cross as a refutation of his claims, but he sees it as a confirmation of who he is. He sees an innocent man who is staying on the cross for other people. Thank God for the cross. Thank God he didn't come off the cross. Thank God he finished his course. And he says, this man has done nothing wrong. You see, that's so important because it took a, a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice to take away our sin. If I went to the cross, it wouldn't mean anything. If you went to the cross, it wouldn't mean anything. But when the God of heaven came down and lived a perfect life and he died on that cross for our sins, it has effect, it has power. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that heals. Thank God for the blood that forgives sins. And I wanna tell you today, there is no condemnation. One drop of that blood can take away every sin and everything you've done in your life. Somebody thank him for the blood today. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. I wanna say, I don't wanna know what you've done, but I know a God that can blot out our sins as far as the east is from the west. One drop of his blood can save us. The blood is powerful today. Then he says in verse 42, he said, he makes one of the most powerful statements of faith that we see in the word of God. You see, everybody else around that cross saw a dying man who was a fraud. He claimed to be God, but here he is hanging on a cross, about to die. And we see in the scriptures we read that three groups of people, the rulers mocked him, the soldiers mocked him, and one of the criminals on the cross mocked him saying, he said he was the Christ. But this man had a revelation of who Jesus is. And that this wasn't just another man hanging on a cross. This was God in the flesh. Does anybody believe that today? He wasn't kind of God. He wasn't one of the gods. That was God on the cross who died for you and me. And I don't know about you, but I love that kind of God. He didn't come, he didn't send somebody else. He came personally to save us today. Somebody have joy about it today. That's my Jesus. And he said to Jesus, Lord, I wanna stop there. See, unlike the other criminal, this man's had a repentance experience. And he doesn't want Jesus just to get him out of his mess, but he's made him Lord. You know what that means? God, 
you're in control now. Lord, you tell me what to do. You tell me where to go. Life isn't about me anymore. Lord, it's about you. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Somebody here today needs to call him Lord. Jesus isn't just your little friend you talk to when you're in a jam. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He has the power to save you or condemn you. And I don't know about you, but I want to make him my Lord today. He says, Lord, remember me. Remember me. Somebody needs to pray that today. Maybe you've been running from God for years. Maybe you came to church as a kid and you had a real experience, but life just happened and you drifted away. Here's what I want to tell you. Two words you can say. Remember me. And God will remember you. Because God has been there the whole way. You can run as far as you want to. He'll be sitting right here on your shoulder saying, I'm still here. Remember me. Somebody here today just needs with a heart full of sincerity, say, Lord, remember me. I know I've been running. I know I haven't been living a life that's pleasing to you. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. This room's full of people who have one time or another just had to say, Lord, remember me. Right. We have, we've all dropped the ball. No perfect people here. Better that no perfect people allowed. We're all sinners in need of grace. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, this man didn't see a dying false Messiah. He saw a God who he believed was coming back in power and in resurrection. And his kingdom is coming. What a great statement of faith that this man makes to this badly beaten, suffering Messiah. He believes that he is God in the flesh and that he will come back. And I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back with his kingdom. He is coming back in all power and authority. And I don't know about you, but I am ready for that day for Jesus to rule and reign upon this earth. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus says, verse 43, Assuredly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. This man, we don't know how much longer this man lived after this interaction. It could have been seconds. But he got it right with a heavenly buzzer, buzzer beater. And I want to tell you, it's never too late. I believe in deathbed repentance. I believe that God honors when people give their life to him. And it it might be late in the game. It might be when you're 90 years old. I don't care when it is. God accepts when people turn their life to him. It's not too late today. And this is the greatest miracle. A man who is seconds away from being lost forever 
He was seconds away from an eternity away from God. And I want you just to picture this with me. When Jesus takes his last breath, he goes to paradise for a few minutes. And walking into paradise with him is a thief. A robber. The least likely candidate. And he walks in with Jesus. And an angel stops him and says, excuse me, sir, what are you doing here? And the criminal says, I don't know. The man on the middle cross said I could be here. And that's the story of all of us. I don't know why God chose me. I don't know why he had mercy on me, but I'm glad the man on the middle cross said you will be with me in paradise today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, God can change your life. Not tomorrow, today. We remain standing. Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise. Not, you need to go to purgatory for a few years and pay. By the way, that's not in the Bible, but today. And here's what I wanna tell you, today, you might not die today and go to heaven, but you can enter paradise in your heart. You can change some things in your heart. And today we're living for eternity. We're living for heaven. I wanna tell you, there, there's a, a day coming where there'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. No more hospitals. No more wars. No more prisons. No more recovery centers. But that's not the best thing about heaven. I want you to see what Jesus said. Today you will be with me. The best part of heaven is Jesus. The best part of heaven is being in the presence of God. So in closing today, I say, don't gamble with your soul. All over this place today, if we could close our eyes, we could lift up our hands. And right now, if you need to repent, there's no magic words, just do so in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm done living for me. That's the first thing, you need to call him Lord. Then you say, Lord, remember me. God, remember where I was, God. Remember, God, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. And then you need to give your life completely to him. Say, God, I, Jesus, I believe that you are God in the flesh. God, I believe, God, you are coming back. I believe you resurrected from the dead. Anybody believe that today? Can we clap our hands? Now here's, if you said that prayer today, come talk to Bishop or I. We'd be happy to give you a Bible study on some next steps you need to take. The next step you need to take is what these young people did. You need to enter the waters of baptism. 
How many experienced that? No, that's a powerful experience. That's your next step. And he's promised to fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. We're gonna talk about that here next week. And I'd love to see you here next week. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing this song one more time. We're gonna lift up the name of Jesus. And I believe somebody's destiny was just changed. Somebody just turned. Somebody.